0: You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast. What is up, dat Nation? Welcome back inside another episode of the Straight Up Saints Podcast presented by Boot Crew Media and Makers Mark. And we got a couple of wild topics to talk about for this episode. We got a potential trade slash rumor linking a certain quarterback to the New Orleans Saints, which I'd imagine the majority of you don't want it to happen. And I'll I'll talk about it and I will be let's just say I'll be speaking for most people judging off a recent tweet I had and and um, the reactions I got to that. We're going to talk about Marcus Williams, his future. Hate to tell you, it's starting to seem like there's a chance that Marcus Williams could be playing for a different team next season and The number one thing that I'm going to start off this show with because I'm recording it on a Monday and why not go with something a little bit out of the box? Calvin Ridley, the Falcons' star-wide receiver, suspended for at least the 2022 season because he has been caught gambling on several NFL games, doing parlays, including games on the Atlanta Falcons, which is funny as hell, apparently... Um, he did not have insider info. That's what people like Schefter are tweeting. But at the end of the day, this is obviously a huge topic. You're talking about the number one wide out on the Falcons, who was probably going to get traded this off season. If this didn't come out, a lot of teams linked to him, like the Browns, the Patriots, a bunch of other ones too. So for this to happen, at Atlanta, now he gets suspended. You don't have your wide receiver one. You can't even trade your wide receiver one for assets to potentially get a replacement. And the reason as to why he got suspended is just crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So let's just dive into all of this on this episode of the Straight Up Saints podcast. And when it comes to this Calvin Ridley situation, I see some mixed reactions. Some people find it hilarious and think that, you know, it's such a Falcons thing that this is why Calvin Ridley suspended. Others think that this is an unfair punishment. I'll address that in a second. And then there are the people like myself who are just kind of just letting it unfold because there's so many layers to this. You know, Calvin Ridley missed basically the majority of this season because of mental health concerns. And obviously you, you take a step back, you worry about the player and, and more important, the person and what they're going through. And, and maybe there's still underlying concerns that people should be worried about, but for this to come out and basically you learn that he was gambling when he was away from the team, obviously that's an unfortunate look. And to make matters worse you have Calvin Ridley just pretty much tweeting through it, and I'll read his tweets as I pull it up on my on my side screen here. He tweets, "I bet I bet fifteen hundred total. I don't have a gambling problem." Which, by the way, guys, I have a couple of friends that like to gamble, and I'm not saying they are they have gambling issues, but th- they tell me this line all the time. It's like, "Oh, how much do you bet? Don't worry about it. I don't have a gambling problem." It's like, okay, I mean, th- that's fine. If you want to use that line, but that's that's basically what they all use. And then he tweets. I couldn't even watch football at this point. So he's basically tweeting through it. And then he follows up, just going to be more healthy when I come back, which honestly, I don't think it's a guarantee that he comes back because this is a serious matter. Obviously, you would imagine that he could come back maybe 2023, 2024, whatever, but that's not a guarantee. It's just not. And for people wondering, well, how did the NFL even find out? This seems weird. Like, how are they able to determine that? Calvin Ridley was gambling. Well, Albert Brewer put out that Calvin Ridley was in Florida and he used the only gambling app that's legal in the state. But when you use that app in Florida, it notified a compliance company the NFL has hired called Genius for this kind of thing where you figure out if NFL personnel are betting on games. The fact that he was out of state resulted in him being flagged. So it is a little concerning. To make matters worse, the timeline's not graced. Great, Calvin Ridley placed on uh, leave. On November 5th, the bets start coming in from November 23rd through 28th, whatever. It was a series, apparently, of of 10 wagers, including three, five, eight-game parlays. If he was smart, he would have waited for Week 18 and hammered the Saints' money line when they beat the crap out of the Falcons, but I digress. But seriously, this, this is a situation where a lot of people are like, hey, you know, is this that big of a deal? It's like, look, the way I see it, you can't gamble on games and wait for it and get caught. And what I mean by that is I wouldn't be surprised if other players, maybe coaches, staff members are betting on games because I, I think it's only, it's only kind of human when you think about how the NFL is promoting gambling and you feel like just the idea of temptation in anything in life is there. And I wouldn't be surprised if other people kind of dabble in gambling, but they probably have ways to get around it. Like, Hey, I have a buddy putting in a bet for me, or I have someone else kind of doing that off to the side for me. But when you go out there and you're betting in Florida and you got to put your name attached to what you're doing and you do that and then you get caught. It's almost like I, I can't feel bad for you. I, I just can't because it, it, that, that's just downright stupidity in my eyes. Now, I saw some other people saying the NFL's focusing on the wrong things. They should be worried about people who are domestic abusers and things of that nature. And look, I agree wholeheartedly. I, I, there's nothing that infuriates me more about the NFL than that because time and time again, we've seen people do things that you just can't defend in any capacity. And they get a second chance. Not because they've changed, just because they're good at football. And, I, and I've talked about this in length, and the only reason I'm not going to go about it even more in length is because I don't want to use my whole you know time here on that topic. But I, I've had a big issue with that. So bringing that up, which is an absolute great point that the NFL should invest more time in that, doesn't mean that Calvin Ridley should get off the hook here. And who knows, maybe he gets reinstated for the 2023 season. And if he only has to sit out a year, then he got off pretty easy, in my opinion, because you just can't bet on games at the end of the day. And for people wondering why you can't bet on games, you got more information than anyone else when it comes to that particular game. You know how the practices went. You know how your strategy and game plan for the opposing team went. You just know. You just know. So I'm not saying Calvin Ridley is the only one who did this. And I trust me, I don't believe he is the only one at all. I don't think it's even close. But when you just see and hear what led to this, I can't feel bad for you. And the only thing I can say is I'm not surprised that it ended up being a Falcons player because as weird as it is being a Saints fan, and you always get negative news, and I'm sure we'll get some negative news later this week, so celebrate while you can. They find a way to have like the most batshit crazy stories. It, it really is just just nuts to me. So let's move on here. Not going to talk about Calvin Ridley's gambling habits all day. Kind of want to move on to a topic that was discussed briefly over the weekend because the NFL combine is basically the home of all the rumors. This is where everything comes into play and people start talking because you got a bunch of coaches, bunch of players, bunch of scouts, bunch of executives, all of that bundled into one. That's kind of where teams start negotiating and start talking about deals that might be under the rug. And now I've long, you know, I want to say, you know, for a while, but I'd say at least for the last couple of weeks, I've been under the belief that we are not going to get a lot of big name quarterbacks traded. Don't think Russell Wilson's getting traded. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is getting traded and Aaron Rodgers. I think Charles Barkley said it best. He's the pretty girl who says you always got to tell her she's pretty. And that's kind of what Aaron Rodgers is. I don't think he really wants to leave. I just think he wants to be like, Oh, look, they're talking about what I might do. And he really, really likes that. So I don't think those two are getting traded. I have no idea if Derek Carr is going to get traded, but right now I would lean towards no. And the only guy that I feel like is going to get traded is Jimmy Garoppolo. And I believe it came out on Sunday. You had ESPN insider Jeremy Fowler, who kind of puts his post-NFL scouting combine notebook together. He said, the wildest rumor I heard this week, quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo potentially paired with New Orleans. This would be a surprise since many around the league expect Jameis Winston to return to the Saints. But if Rodgers and Wilson aren't moved, Garoppolo becomes one of the top options available. Maybe New Orleans at least kicks this idea around. Now, some people said this is sloppy reporting. Some people said this is speculation, which it is. But, like, that's basically the job at this point. And other people just got so angry they didn't want to talk about it. Now, I just said one thing about this because I really – I enjoyed my Sunday. And I, I and I will say this. The one – as much as I love football, and you guys know I love football, having Sundays where I could kind of just do my own thing and, like, go to the mall or go walk around or go enjoy the weather, whatever – and not have to worry about a game or stress out about a game, is pretty good. And I enjoyed it. So I was just enjoying my Sunday, and I didn't want to really spend the whole Sunday talking about it because I knew I would talk about it today. And I was like, okay, so one tweet, that's all we're going to do. And all I said was, I can't speak for everyone, but if it were me, I'd rather just sign Jameis rather than trade a draft pick for Jimmy G coming off shoulder surgery. Even if he wasn't coming off shoulder surgery, I'd say the same thing. And over 1,500 of you like that, which makes me think that it's not just me that um, feels that way. And look, I get it. The counterpoint would be, hey, Jameis is also coming off an injury. And Jameis isn't proven uh, like a great commodity, just like Jimmy's not a great commodity. But this is how I feel about Jimmy. I think he's, he is very injury prone. That is not an opinion. That is a fact. Shoulder injury this year. Has the uh ankle injury last year, ankle sprain missed a lot of time last year, has had a torn ACL, has had a shoulder injury with the Patriots. So when you've missed probably just as much time as you've played, that is cause for concern. But it's not just about that. Because if he was if he was injury prone, but he was a damn good player, you can you can sell me on, okay, when he's healthy, we got something. But I just don't see it. I don't think he throws outside the numbers well at all i don't think he stretches the field and for the outside the numbers thing when you see guys like debo samuel and brandon you constantly getting passes over the middle that that's not just because that's what they can do because they are good at it that's what he can do that's what jimmy specializes at: passes over the middle of the field and i just don't think for the new Orleans saints perspective having a guy who can only throw over the middle of the field. And is not going to give you that vertical threat? Is it going to give you a little bit of mobility? Is it going to give you throws to the outside of the field? Like, what, what is the game plan here? Now, I will say that I'm not surprised by this report at all. Some people were taken aback by it. Some people were disgusted by it. I'm not saying you shouldn't be. I was not surprised at all. Because when the Saints introduced Dennis Allen as the head coach, they were talking about the quarterback position, and they said they wanted a winner. That was the first thing they said. and. I remember Adam from the Hashtag Saints Twitter podcast kind of like tweeted like, oh, Dennis Allen wants, you know, in quotes, that winner comment, something about it. He brought it up and he put like the the face where you're kind of like nervous about, about that that comment. And I said, that sounds like Jimmy G. And he responded. That's exactly what I was thinking. So we were on the same page there. And we both kind of see why shit like this comes to light because this is the way the Saints think. Now, I'm not saying this trade's going to happen and I'm not saying I want it to happen because – God damn it, I don't want it to happen. But I'm not surprised when things like this happen because when you think about Jimmy G and what people praise him for, every single person, if they have something positive to say about him, they say he's a winner because they look at his win-loss record. And I just think that's so dumb because you guys know how I feel about the QB stat, right? I think that the, the, the idea that win-loss is a QB stat is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. You got 50 plus guys on a roster and about 30 plus dudes playing, getting significant snaps for your team on a week to week basis. Why is one guy getting the credit for it? I've never got that. And I never will get that. And what actually bothered me, though, when I was when we were talking about that on Twitter, some people were like, oh, why do we need Jimmy? Jameis was five and two. And I was like, see, that's the trap. You don't want to fall in. Because then you're just using the whole win-loss thing, and that's the only thing that Jimmy has going for him. So if you want to keep Jameis over Jimmy, which, by the way, I do. I prefer Jameis Winston over Jimmy Garoppolo for the Saints. It is because Jameis Winston has more mobility. It's because he's spent two years with Pete Carmichael. It's because he has a better arm. It's because I feel like he can make more plays off script. Those are the reasons I want him over Jimmy Garoppolo has nothing to do over the 5-2 and two record that he had because we saw it with even Taysom Hill. And that was a great point that this Saints team, if they're going to win games, a lot of it's from a team effort. It's not just because of the one guy from the quarterback. It's not the old times anymore with Drew Brees. So I think this whole winner thing is ridiculous. It's probably the only positive thing people say in terms of on-field production. And that doesn't mean that I don't like the dude. Like, I think... The one thing I will give Jimmy credit for is when so many teammates speak highly of him, you got to be a really, really great dude in that locker room. Like you need to, for your players to constantly go to bat for you and, and always be there, you're doing something right from a personal level. I just, for me, think about the saints roster. They're not loaded with weapons. And if you were to get him and trade for him, you need to load your offense with weapons. And you also have to change the way your offense runs because I saw some people go like, oh, well, did you see Debo's numbers this year? I I guess Jimmy's not doing too bad, huh? And I'm like, Debo's a top 15 player in the league. And I'm probably underselling it on 15. Last year, he was a top five player in the NFL with the way he played. Honestly. And this isn't just hype-beasting up a player. This is a guy who you could give it to him anywhere. You want him to stretch the field vertically? Go ahead. You want him to play running back? Go ahead. You want him to return kicks? Go ahead. You want him to catch balls over the middle of the field on slant routes? Go ahead. Like, that is what he can do. And that's not it. He could do more than that. And I, I just think for the Saints, yes, Michael Thomas is going to come back, but he's going to be on an injury. Alvin Kamara should play at some point, but he's probably going to get suspended. Where are the other weapons that he's going to utilize now? He doesn't have those security blankets like a George Kittle, even a wide receiver two like a Brandon Ayuk. So those type of things bring up pause and, and, and bring up calls for concern. And they make me pause because I, I just, I don't see it. I think there are some teams that they trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I think it's a good move. Like, I genuinely feel like if the Steelers trade for him and they go with him over Mason Rudolph, that's a great move. And mind you, the Steelers have Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson. They also have Chase Claypool. And I would not be surprised if they bring back Juju Smith uh, Schuster and also they have Pat move. So I just named five weapons they can use. For the Saints, I'm always naming two. And one of them's coming off an injury. And the other one could get suspended that's not great. So there's so many reasons why I just don't think it would be a smart deal at all. But if it does happen, I would not be surprised at all because this would be such a Saints move because I think the one thing that they really really are hammering home and maybe it works, but goddamn I I think that the the margin for error slims down when you do that is a lot of safe moves. And again, I'm not here to rip them. I'm just here to try and be real about the way I'm seeing this right now. And I'm trying to understand it. And if they were to bring him in, okay, wide receiver with your first round pick, an Alave, a Traylon Burks, someone, but it probably isn't Jameson Williams because he's not going to hit Jameson Williams when he's open deep. So that for me are my concerns. So let me move on to my last topic kind of shift away from being so negative here because I think the last thing you guys want me to do is be like, oh, shit, if the Saints get Jimmy G, I don't like that move, and then end it there. That would just be a total, total piece of shit move. So let me finish off by talking about Marcus Williams. And again, there this is not set in stone. The, the deadline for the franchise tag is March 8th in the afternoon, so the Saints have time. But they have not tagged Marcus Williams up to this point while I'm recording. And obviously, if they do tag him, you guys know that I will come back and do another one. But for now, they have not tagged him. And I think as we inch closer to the deadline and let's say we move past the deadline and he is not tagged, I think the likelihood of him playing for a different team next season shoots up tremendously. Just shoots up tremendously. The odds would go up great. I'm sure Calvin Ridley would love to throw a couple dollars on it. It's that good. Like, if if you're talking about him leaving, because the minute that Marcus Williams becomes a free agent there are teams that have more money than the saints that you know could make a really nice offer and I think for a guy like him who is young and emerging and so steady can you name me five teams that don't need or don't want a Marcus Williams for me that's that's just the way I see it and when guys like Jesse Bates get tagged I think that puts a bigger emphasis on him being the number one safety and I think Marcus's game is really good for today's NFL because he's a legit rangy safety. Like I never for the life of me. And this isn't me having a personal vendetta against a dude because I don't really care. He plays in Seattle. I don't care what he does. I never ever liked the trade that Seattle made for Jamal Adams. And I thought it was even dumber that they made that trade. And then because they made that trade had to justify giving him so much money because Jamal Adams at the end of the day, is a safety who can't cover squat and is really just a linebacker playing safety and man, it gets burnt a lot and he gets four years, 70 million. And I think Marcus Williams is a way better player than Jamal Adams. I know some LSU fans just like gasped at that, but I think it's, I don't think it's debatable. If you told me I have to pick between one of them every single day of the week, I would take Marcus Williams because I'm getting a rangy safety who I can use in, a, in a, a variety of ways. You want to use him single high, you want to bring him a little bit down, you want to let him basically be the the captain of the back end of your defense. He can do that. We're talking about resiliency. We're talking about him being durable for the most part of his career. Good hands. He can do it all. And Jamal, granted, probably better tackler. Probably better, not probably, definitely better at getting after the quarterback. In today's NFL, that dude can't be my safety. Because, man, is he just going to be barbecue chicken too many times. But again, let me stop roasting Jamal Adams here and go back to Marcus Williams. If he were to leave, that leaves the Saints with a hole at safety. How do the Saints kind of plug up that hole? In comes Tyron Matthew, perhaps? This is something that people are talking about because there was a Photoshop picture of him going up on Instagram. And he commented with the fire emoji. This doesn't mean he's coming to the Saints. But when a player like that does that, it almost seems like they're like, oh, I'm not against it. And again, everyone would love to see Tyron Matthew back in Louisiana. I'm sure people think it would be great. And I'm not necessarily against the Saints signing Tyron Matthew. My question, if the Saints were to land Matthew, is what's the vision for him? Is he your free safety or is he your strong safety? Because he has played both before. He can go to either spot. But I don't think it's as simple as saying, okay, if they sign Tyron Matthew, he's the Marcus Williams replacement. He might not be he might just be the Malcolm Jenkins replacement. And I'm not saying the Saints should replace Malcolm Jenkins. I'm just saying that wouldn't surprise me. Like, I think this idea that if they bring Tyron Matthew into the fold, he's definitely replacing Marcus Williams. I don't think it's that simple. I I think the Saints have a decision to make is, how is their DB room going to look? Because are you going to roll with Tyron Matthew and Malcolm Jenkins and get like even older at the safety spot? That's a question that I have. And there's a lot of good safeties in this draft class. Baylor's got a lot of good DBs out there that the Saints can add to their roster. Oregon's got a really nice rangy DB that I watched at the combine that I think would be a nice fit for them. So I think there's options there. So we'll see what happens, but this is regardless of whether or not they bring Marcus Williams back or bring Tyre Matthew into the fold, bringing back PJ Williams has it, it, look. I always thought it was important. I think he's a very good football player in a, in a particular role. And if you branch out of that role, then his flaws kind of come to light. But when you keep him in that role, he is a damn good player. But I think keeping P.J. Williams becomes 10 times more important if Marcus Williams leaves. Because I think P.J. Williams is a guy that you can move around the line of scrimmage. You can drop him into that safety role if you need to. And he just knows Dennis Allen's system so, so well. So I think bringing him back is going to be imperative to this team. And we'll see if he does. But that's kind of... Where I'm at on this Marcus Williams thing, I, I kind of think as we inch closer to this deadline for franchise tag, if, if he does not get tagged, I think the likelihood of him leaving goes elsewhere. Obviously, if he were to leave, I'd wish him all the best, but let's not just you know jump to conclusions here. The Saints should want to keep him, but the Saints also have a decision to make. Teron Armstead's up, and he's going to be a free agent. I don't know if they want to lose both of them. That would be a big blow to both sides of the football. Keeping one of them at least gives you some like, okay, kept a big dude in, in house. We'll see which one they pick. If they pick one, it's going to be an interesting off season. And I'll be here to talk about it on the Straight Up Saints podcast. As always, that's going to do it for this edition, guys. If I miss something, if you have a question about draft, free agency, whatever, hit me up. You guys know I usually answer. If I don't, hit me up again. Calmly, though, not aggressively. And I will... Uh, get to it obviously if the Saints do franchise tag Marcus Williams before the deadline on Tuesday or Toronto Armstead which would be weird but if they did hypothetically I would be there and have a podcast ready to talk about it but it's gonna be very very interesting offseason and I'll have it all covered here on the straight up Saints podcast the destination for the who nation you're listening to the straight up Saints podcast